0: entrepreneurship the journey of entrepreneurship is marked by lots of uncertainties and it's really really scary Um, and you just never know what's coming and you're never prepared for whatever the next hit is you know and you have to be gritty and you have to be tenacious and you have to be you know really strong-headed and I entrepreneurs always ask me like well what would you have done you know and it would just be to ask You know, just reach out and ask, whether it's an entrepreneur, whoever it is, because I've never met a bad person on the Western Slope that isn't willing to help you. Totally. Um, Just reach out and ask because your community has you. Like, they will support you, you know, as long as you're willing to do the hard work with them.
1: Are you by any chance trying to say that you think this business of yours is important? That's exactly the way I feel about it.
2: Thank you for tuning in to Small World Big People. My name is Lexi and I'm your host. There are a ton of goodies in the following conversation, but before we get started, I wanted to chat about what it brought up for me. I started Small World Big People for many reasons, but the biggest reason was I felt disconnected. Throughout grad school, I was connected to big thinkers, access to problem solving, and lots of learning. Then I worked in a co-working space. It buzzed with ideas, energy, and like-minded entrepreneurs. But after a few changes, I found myself displaced and I wanted to go back to that community, but it was no longer there. So I thought, why not create something like it? So here's my invitation to you. Are you working on building something or solving a problem? Do you need a champion, a friend, or a community? Then join us. You are welcome in this space. You can sit with us, even if it's only digitally speaking. Let's build the businesses and solve the problems. Let's encourage each other and complement each other's strengths. The way you can help me is by continuing to listen connecting with me on Instagram, and letting me know how I can help you. I would love the opportunity to interview an expert for you, point you to a resource, or be a sounding board for you. This community is a work in progress, and the only way to go is up. I'll keep you posted on new ways to get in touch, but for now, stay tuned and in touch on Instagram at smallworldbigpeople. All right, are you ready to dive into this episode? I know I am. In this conversation, I talk with Brian and Bonnie Watson, a powerhouse couple working to champion the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Western Colorado. The entrepreneurial what? Don't worry, we'll get to that. We will also touch on starting a side hustle, working with a spouse, and building a thriving community. All right. Welcome, Brian and Bonnie. Thanks so much for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us.
2: Yeah. Well, I'd like to first start out with um, each of you. Where do you work and what's your
1: role there? So um, my my name's Brian Watson and uh, my day job is with Proximity. So we, a few years ago, started an organization called Launch West Co. in Grand Junction that was all about kind of building the local entrepreneurial ecosystem here. Um, I did what a lot of people I grew up here, I left and moved back, and then was kind of seeking community and and like-minded people. And so we started an organization called Launch, um, which turned into us starting the first co-working space here in Grand Junction, um, which was just uh, a place for other like-minded entrepreneurs to kind of gather. Um, While we did that, uh, you know, I'm summarizing a bunch, but we, we built a software company for managing and automating our space because we were running other companies at the same time. And when we did that, um, we had a lot of co working spaces reach out to us. And so, uh, what started is kind of an entrepreneurial community project, which morphed into our first co working space, then morphed into a software company. And now we've got, you know, 400 spaces throughout the country, 100,000 people on the platform. And that's really kind of the, the main gig today.
0: Awesome, Um, I'm Bonnie Watson, I am the Managing Director for the Telluride Venture Network, um, which is a new organization we're rolling out, which is essentially an umbrella that um, sits over the Telluride Venture Accelerator, Mentor Investor Network, the Telluride Venture Fund, and the Telluride Regional Loan Fund. So it's kind of this really beautiful, like entrepreneurial ecosystem um, that we've created in the Telluride region. Previous to that, um, got my bachelor's, master's in finance and I was in corporate finance um, in the banking industry. Um, I taught corporate finance here at CMU. Um, and I just, I learned that there was a lot of entrepreneurs through Brian, I learned this, you know, he with Launch West Co., uh, unearthed all these people that were like literally working out of their basements and they were entrepreneurs. and. I was starting to learn that capital was not flexible enough for them and that traditional banking just wasn't gonna work for these startups. And equity might not be the answer either. And so the Telluride Foundation um, had a job posting come up for a capital and transaction advisor, which essentially managed the Telluride Regional Loan Fund and the Telluride Venture Fund. Um, And so I took over that position and, and just got into this really awesome like entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, and today have now taken over the Telluride Venture Network, which has been a really awesome journey into like creating ecosystems for entrepreneurs.
2: Excellent. I want to double click on that um, Venture Accelerator. Some people might not quite understand what that is. Um, who do you serve and what is it? Like, give us a little more details on that.
0: Yeah, so the Telluride Venture Accelerator is really targeted towards our startup community, not necessarily in the Telluride regions. Um, When it first started, we've been around for eight years, when it first started, we really focused on that traditional model where it was like 10 to 12 weeks. And what we started to learn was that that was not reasonable for a lot of people. People can't stop their day job or side hustle or whatever they're doing for 12 weeks. And so um, the TVA was then um, pivoted to a boot camp model. I call it like the hyper bootcamp model. So it's one to two weeks of intense training with these companies. So they come up to Telluride, we, you know, put them all in a house together. They get to work in this really awesome cohort, and we do four boot camps a year, one each quarter, and they're themed. So, like, we've done plastic alternatives. We've done investment boot camps. Um, we've done mining boot camps. So these, you know, startups get to work within cohorts of people of their own who understand their industry and understand the life cycle that they're in. Um, so that's where we are today.
1: And you also team them up with. Mentors and you sit down with them and say let's look at your your budget or your pro formas and make sure their numbers make sense and stuff And so they get to learn tons and and uh, you guys don't take equity, right? Um,
0: Traditionally in the traditional accelerator model we do Um, In the boot camp model we don't we can do a follow-on investment Um, the other beauty of an accelerator is that there is a mentor network um, and so these, you know, folks that come through and graduate as alumni, they then have a broad range of mentors that they get to work with even after they graduate from the um, uh, accelerator. So it's really more of an opportunity for a vast network to get integrated into it.
2: That's awesome. Um, when you guys talk about equity and non-equity, what does that mean?
0: So. In, in, ca- in the capital world or finance world, equity essentially is like an injection into a business for ownership in the business, right? Where debt is essentially just giving somebody money you pay interest on it and they don't take any ownership in your company. So there's there's lots of pros and cons to each type of capital investment.
2: Do you recommend a, serpent, a certain kind or does it just depend on the situation?
0: It depend I mean it depends on all sorts of things. It depends on the life cycle of the company, you know, how scalable they are, what industry they're in, um, and there's a lot of really cool tools emerging in the capital world. So like revenue-based investing is it, you know, emerging right now and so there's a, there's something for everybody, and we can make just about anything work for anyone. So cool.
1: It's fun when when Bonnie and I first started dating, and you were working at the bank. You were talking about this, but I would always joke and say like, "Well, my entrepreneurial friends could never go get money from you, <laughs> yeah. because the yeah. bank won't give us money unless you yeah. don't need it, you know." And like that's kind of true. And so it's cool to see you get to work uh, at the capacity that you're working at now, because there are all of these different tools that. You know i wasn't aware of when i was just coming out of college and when we were starting our businesses and stuff you know when we started factory it was like all sweat equity and we got lucky and found a grant that um uh, we were able to get a little bit of money but we started with nothing and we knew we didn't know how to go get money and the different tools that were out there and so it's cool even if you can't get approved for a bank loan which a lot of people can't mm-hmm. and i think that that's one of the the things with entrepreneurship is you feel like wrong or like you're like not worthy you know Um, but funding is such an important part of business and it makes your business so much easier and so uh, being able to work with a partner whether it's you Bonnie the 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 venture fund or someone else that has some alternative programs it just makes your life so much easier and so uh, there are different mechanisms whether it's you know maybe I can't get approved for a bank loan but I can give a, a portion of my company away for a little bit of money to get started, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of options out there that I wasn't aware of when you first started all that stuff. So. Yeah,
2: that's really interesting. Um, I was talking to Emily Kincaid um, mm-hmm. last episode, and she was talking about how hard it was to get funding. Mm-hmm. She said. If there's one thing that people know when they want to start their business, that you, like people will not give you money. Um, and she's like, I had deal flows, I had everything, like, I, like everything was in place. Um, no, like no other debt, like, but people wouldn't lend them money. So, yep. where should someone look, or how? What What's a first step? Um,
0: well, I mean, it it depends. You know, it depends where you live. I think in rule. Um, you kind of have to know someone and get the name of someone to help connect you. And that's kind of the beauty of a role place is that it's so organic and how we work. Um, and so, you know, I can refer you to X, Y, and Z. And oftentimes I'll get off a call with somebody and be like, you need to talk to these five people. And I'm doing, you know, five to 10 intro emails. So, oftentimes it's finding somebody that really knows the network really well, and they're not often hard to find. You know, whether they're at a regional loan fund or maybe they're an entrepreneur in the area, you know, um, it's oftentimes finding somebody like that that really knows, like, is boots on the ground and kind of knows the underground community.
2: That's awesome. So, you guys are, both identify as connectors, which you are. Mm-hmm. You guys are super plugged in to the um, Western Colorado um, entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, Can one of you explain what you mean by the entrepreneurial ecosystem and what's the best way someone would get plugged in as an entrepreneur into that?
1: Can I go? So um, this kind of word, entrepreneurial ecosystem, is new. A lot of people are like, what the heck does that even mean? And really, every community, every city, is uh is an ecosystem, right? There's different businesses that work together, and when those businesses pay for services, they give money to other businesses, and all of those things work kind of uh, tangentially together. Um, and so, uh, there's there's several different things that um, cities can focus on and develop over time. Some of this t- stuff takes a long time uh, to become a, a stronger ecosystem, right? So part of the part of the reason a lot of people have moved to cities or moved to cities in the past was because the ecosystem was built. The economy was there, there's jobs, there's a lot of ways to make money in a city, and so there's a lot of opportunity. One of the challenges about uh, small and rural communities like Grand Junction or Montrose or Telluride with 2,500 people that live there is they may have some of the components that the ecosystem needs, whether that's jobs or work or access to capital or anything like that uh, but they may not have all of them and so uh a lot of the work that we get to do is you know we try to take a regional approach and look at the entire region and what are the assets that make western colorado unique and special and what where are some of the gaps that we should be looking at or helping right and so if you think about Western Slope as a a startup ecosystem, we've got some great assets. You've got Colorado Mesa University, which is the fourth fastest growing university in the nation. Um, So it's a great place to find employees. It's a great place to be hiring, uh, to attract talent. If you're in a growth company, this is a great place to live. Cost of living is low, quality of life is high. There's a lot of students graduating from here. So that's great um grand junction traditionally hasn't had as much access to capital and mentors we don't have a bunch of ceos who have sold their company who have gone through that experience and can share it with other folks however when we moved to telluride you know bonnie when we lived in grand junction i always joke that grand junction is my town and i like know a lot of people here that is bonnie in telluride now no one knows who brian is and everyone (laughs) knows who bonnie is and so but in Telluride, they have different assets. You know, there's only 2,500 people that, that live there, so there's not a huge workforce. Uh, cost of living is extremely high; it's difficult to to live there. We were just talking about that. Uh, but there is there is a lot of access to capital. There is a lot of access to mentors because you've got successful men and women who have sold companies and decided they want to live in Telluride, but they still want to contribute. They still want to give back, and so. That's why, you know, there's there's things like this, how your adventure network and stuff like that. And so when you, you put those assets together, now all of a sudden Western Slope has this this, this growing kind of uh, ecosystem and has more of the components for people to be successful in entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a, like a really macro view. I think mm-hmm. in a more micro view of an entrepreneurial ecosystem, I think of it as like a stool. So like there's like four legs to a stool and without all of them, your stool will fall over. Mm-hmm. And so I think of like accelerators, that's the first place to get people plugged into the network to help them accelerate their business. Mentorship is second, continuing and helping them learn and be connected with people. Capital is third. Um, actually being able to physically accelerate that business with you know any kind of capital injection, whether that's debt equity, whatever it is. And I used to say there's three legs, and now I say there's four because co-working is one of the most important things that we can do. Is we can bring these companies here, we can mentor them, we can tell them like how they should you know operate their business, do all these things. But if we don't give them a physical place to build community, a physical place to work that has you know reliable fiber and has that entrepreneurial community, we've done them a disservice, you know. And so I have added a leg to that, and that's now co-working. Cool. So
2: what would be the best way someone would get plugged into that network if they're um if they're new to Grand Junction
0: i always say talk to the entrepreneurs like find the small business you know um find the entrepreneurial network you know there's oftentimes like you know, networking events going on or some business events or something, like talk to the entrepreneurs because the entrepreneurs are talking to each other and they're sharing information. And it's, again, that organic ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And that's who I've always directed people to. And if you can't,
1: like, uh, if you don't know who the entrepreneurs are or anything, I think it's helpful to be able to connect with, like, GJEP or an economic development entity, whether that's, you know, they change from city to city. So it could be your chamber. It could be your co-working space. It could be your economic development entity like GJEP and those folks may not be the entrepreneurs but they know who the entrepreneurs are and uh, it's going to be a lot easier to connect and engage with those folks if you have a referral from a trusted source right so uh, I always say you know figure out what are the entities in town take them out for coffee or you know try to figure out the lay of the land and then ask for introductions.
0: Yeah, and, and sometimes in those really rural places, we don't have the benefit of having a chamber of commerce or a you know EDO for some reason, um, and so maybe sometimes going to the foundation might be a good place to start, or any of some of those like big entities, institutional, yeah, that work organizations, yeah. Um, but ask an entrepreneur. <laughs> That'd be yeah. my best piece of advice.
2: That's great. I want to. Yeah. Um, circle back a touch you guys were talking about co-working you both just started a co-working space of your own yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about that
0: yeah so telluride works was the co-working space in telluride um, and it was started by the telluride venture accelerator um, they did a fantastic job with it on main street and it was this piece of the community that i, I don't think a lot of people realized that we needed so bad um it was so important for us when we moved to teller oh yeah it was how we got connected we went to the co-working space and that's how we got to know everyone um and so unfortunately due to the pandemic they had to close that space and so i mean it, it was as simple as brian and i were so tired of working at the kitchen bar you know with the animals in the house and you know, the next door neighbors, and like all the crazy noises and just disruptions of home during the pandemic. And so we said, we need to start a co-working space. And, you know, Brian's an expert in the industry. I know the community. And so it just kind of made sense um, for us to start the space.
1: Yep. So we found, you know, a lot has changed in the co-working coworking uh, world. And so we are able to uh, develop kind of a new business plan with management agreements. And so we, you know, found a location that was perfect, worked out a good deal with them. Um, we had all the, the network of Telluride Works, you know, everyone got displaced. We're in a ski town, so everyone's living with like a thousand roommates in tiny little houses and stuff, and, um, and so when we reached out to kind of the folks that were working at the old location and said, hey, we're thinking about opening a space. This is a private entity. We are gonna be putting money in and stuff like that. We wanna make sure that this is wise, you know. Um, are are, are you all interested in having a location? And it was a resounding like yes, yes please do that. That would be great.
2: Yeah, that's excellent. Um, for people who maybe aren't familiar with a co-working space, mm-hmm. who, what is it? And
1: who does so, who, is, who does it serve? <laughs> good question. Um, so, co-working is shared office space, basically um, at its most simple form. Um, but it's also so much more than that because it's a community of like-minded entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I always say is. You know starting a business is really hard Uh, it takes a lot of money it takes a lot of work um, and the goal of the co-working space is to eliminate the barriers to entry for small businesses and so if you're if you're you know you have your day job and you're doing graphic design on the side or you're doing photography on the side or you're trying to start a new company you know traditionally you'd have to go either work out of your house uh, which is lonely or if you're gonna rent an office, then you gotta pay a long lease and you gotta get furniture and you gotta put up your sign and do all that stuff. Uh, coworking, it's, it's, it's a one gross payment. So everything is included and it starts as simple as like $149 a month and then you get 24 seven access. We have really fast internet, all of your furniture is there. And then there's um, events and uh, services to help your small business grow.
2: Excellent. Do you guys have a specific mission for Altspace, the space that you guys own and run in Telluride?
0: Well, our slogan is um, a better alternative, and that's where Alt came from, um, as to working in your kitchen or wherever you came from. Um, But we, our other slogan, and TJ Smith actually designed this for us, he said, power to community. And I really grasped onto that. Because we really believe that. You, know, like you don't have anything without your entrepreneurs and your community working together. And by supporting these people, like that's how you grow your community. And by supporting entrepreneurs, everybody benefits from that. Um, and that was, it started because we didn't want to work in our kitchen, but it really came down to like giving the power back to the community. I love that.
2: That's great. What, what does a strong community, um, like a co working space community, look like
1: to you? So I think um, just strong community in general, right, is a place where you feel like you can be yourself, a place where you can feel vulnerable and say, like, everything's blowing up or I need help. You know, I think we watch Shark Tank or we watch, you know, uh, entrepreneurship has been elevated into this, like, level, you know, and you don't feel like you're successful unless you're building a billion-dollar business or something, and that's stupid. (laughs) And... And so I think having a strong business is, you know, a lot of it is learned skills. Like it's not just why are some graphic designers scraping by and you have other graphic design firms that have been built that are kicking butt, right? And it's, a lot of that is because they probably had mentors that said, don't do that. You should focus on X, Y, Z or whatever. And so I think you know, having strong community is having other people around you that care about you and and can say, hey, can I, oh, you should come to this event or hey, I met, you know, Bonnie and she could help you or whatever. And so I think that that is really the goal is a place where people can come, get connected, be effective in their work, but also be surrounded by people who care about them and want the best for them. And, uh, you know, if you're having a good day, Great, like let's go ski or let's go mountain biking or whatever. If you're having a bad day, like great, let's go on a walk and talk about it.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Yep,
2: that's awesome. I love that. Um, when you guys would you guys consider alt space a side hustle? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think a lot of us are working on side hustles. Uh-huh. Um, what advice would you give someone who's working on a side hustle as far as time management goes and yeah. um, just? like seeing it
1: through
0: holy smokes um i don't even know if i have the answer to that
1: yet i i can say some things and then you can tell me if they're dumb but <laughs> uh, so in life we all have plates we have work plates we have family plates we have other relationships and your side hustle is a plate that has to be spun right and it you need to put boundaries around it because if there's no boundaries, then you're gonna sacrifice all of your spinning plates to get this one going because it takes so much work to start a business or whatever. And so, I mean, we talk about this all the time. We had very clear parameters of what this side hustle or little co-working space that is completely a distraction, (laughs) you know, uh, what it needed to be. And so the goal we talked about financially, you know, we built the business model to make a little bit of like passive income for us, but the, the goal was not for that to replace everything. Um, and so we had we had parameters around there that we could test and say, look, if we run, run the numbers on this business and, and we're not, you know, if we're gonna be draining a bunch of money, we can't do it, right? And so we needed to build the business to do that. Then the next thing is like, okay, How much time do we have to give to this? Not very much. It's a side hustle. And so we've built the whole thing to be automated because we had to have those constraints around it. Otherwise, it would, you know, Bonnie's super busy with her job. I'm busy with my job. It would just unravel all the important things that are the foundation of our life, basically. And so we wanted constraints around that. And then I think the next thing, like we talk about, like, we talk about having contractors to help us and stuff like that, or you know, uh, if we get big enough and need employees or whatever. We've always spoken about we were going to prioritize our first ourselves first and our time first and our relationship first. And if this gets crazy, we would rather hire help than you know jeopardize the foundation that we already have. And I think. Building a business with those constraints around that we we can feel successful, we're gonna be busy, you know, and there's gonna be times where it's like we're drowning a little bit, but we've given ourselves permission to like hire help versus just have to do everything ourselves all the time. I think it's taken some weight off of our shoulders. Um, it's still scary, and there's still a lot to do, but. I think that that's something that's really important is know like, what is the goal? What are we trying to build here? Am I trying to be busy to make money? Or to make more money or to supplement the income? You know, you gotta have little uh, checkpoints that you can say, okay, are we on the right track? You know, am I spending way too much time on this and and I'm falling off everything else? Or maybe I need to scale it back or whatever. So you really need to know what you're trying to build And then have like little benchmarks um, all along the way so you can course correct.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think it comes down to like time management and what you're getting out of something. Like, what is the saying? Like, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Like, that's Mm -hmm. ridiculous, you know? (laughs) Like, it's true, but it's ridiculous. Like, look at your objective and say, like, what am I getting from it? And am I getting something in return? And like, we've learned that the hard way from volunteering. You know, people will just take and take and take your time, and you have to evaluate, like, What what, what's what is in it for us? Um, We also set boundaries around things. So like we have a rule in our house at like 7 p.m. We no longer talk about the business. We no longer talk about work. You know that's like our time to just do what we want. We want to go mountain bike. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Recharge. Anything like that. So you have to you have to have boundaries and time management just gets thrown out the window. I mean we we work 60 plus hours a week. You know or more. Yep. Um, So a side hustle is hard.
1: The other thing I would say about a side hustle is that you need sales, and if, because uh, I get to watch this a lot with our coworking spaces of people that are doing some stuff on the side, and this is the this is the, the advantage of a network and stuff like that, but um, s- some people, the side hustle is okay. Some people are starting a side hustle because they want to get rid of what they were doing before. They want to change the course of their life or whatever, and, so in that it's really important to figure out again go back to the original plan and like if i'm going to replace or supplement you know income x with this desired new career or whatever then i got to figure out well how much was i making before or how much do i need to make and we got to build a real business uh, with real sales and real money that allows me to drop this plate if i want it to go away, right? If I wanna replace one plate with another. And so um, that's really important too. And you can have benchmarks there with your side hustle. Maybe it's your first sale, maybe it's your first 10 sales or whatever, but you need, you need clear objectives of what you're trying to accomplish. Otherwise, you could get busy and get distracted and, and both kind of go in the wrong direction.
2: That's exactly what I was gonna ask. I mean, I think that there are two types of side hustles. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a, the supplemental income and then someone who's trying to replace their income. So I think the advice of like figuring out how much you need to replace this plate before you drop it is excellent advice. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Bonnie?
0: No, I don't, was good.
2: <laughs> um, so you guys are a powerhouse team. You guys are boosting the ecosystem here on Western Slope. You're building, um, you know, your business together um what's the best part about working with your spouse what makes it work for you too
0: what's the best part um i guess (laughs) i was reading your questions when we started like what's the best and worst thing and there's not like there's not a worst thing in my mind um but you really have to like your spouse (laughs) if you're going to work together you know like marriage is one thing but then marriage and a business is two separate things and so um i think that like i have such a deep appreciation for brian now i have always had a deep appreciation for brian but i've never you know that's like romantic you know i never really got to like really get into his brain as a business partner and that's obviously something that i love about him but like now that we're business partners he counters me in such a way that like it's so complimentary to what how i think and what i believe and Um, And he challenges me and he's always challenged how I think and the way I view the world and, you know, maybe you should think about it this way or, you know, you're right or, you know, I disagree with you. And I just appreciate that. And, you know, we we have a very like a very definitive line in the sand when it comes to like relationships, like a spouse is one thing. But when you become a business partner, you have to draw the line in the sand and leave the emotions as that spouse and you walk over the line and now you're business partners. And everything that happens over here in your marriage does not come into you know your business. Um, and that's been a rule that we very much follow and I think it just it creates a lot of appreciation for me because you get to see two totally different people mm-hmm. um, and somebody that challenges you in everything that you do um, in all the best ways.
1: I would, I would say, um, for people that know me, this is gonna sound crazy too, but I think the structure is really important and I'm like, <laughs> Uh, you know, when, when Bonnie and I first started dating, she's like, You're like a, a squirrel running through an asteroid belt, is it, I think how she ex- described me. Yeah. So, you know, but the structure is really important. And it's the same whether it's your spouse or whether it's a, a business partner that you're not married to. Um, you know, we have certain roles. And even though, like, we haven't fully clearly defined them, but, like, you have a finance skill set, you're much more detail oriented than me. So when, when input comes into the business, we know I know what to hand off to Bonnie, she knows what to hand off to me, and you have complete authority on the things that are on your side, you know. And and I can say, let's do this. <laughs> we talked about uh we were just talking about financing and projecting out, you know, proformas for our business and stuff like that, and and you were like, you basically told me like what I was thinking was just not the right way of doing it. You know, that's your your area of expertise in our business, and I need to respect you for that. So I think you know having that structure of like who does what and why um, is really important, not only in marriage but also if you're if you're doing work together. And I think the other thing is like we we talk about this, but. Um, prioritizing the marriage over the business is like Absolutely. number one, right? And so, there, that's just number one. And then, and then, when we're good there, it's a lot easier to be be good on the business side. If you're prioritizing your business over your marriage, then everything's going to be a disaster, probably. Yeah,
0: it's like taking bricks out of a pyramid, is how I think about it. You're like, mm-hmm. you're ruining and loosening the foundation that everything's built agility. on. So your foundation has to be good. Yep. Yeah. So
2: true. I feel like I could interview you both forever <laughs> um, and then maybe, you know, like each get you different stories, um, but just kind of wrapping up here. Is there anything I miss that you'd like to add or closing thoughts? I mean, we have, we you guys are a gold mine of information. So what do you think?
0: I don't know. I'm trying to think, what would I tell somebody? Any advice?
1: I don't know. Um, just, we just got out of a weird year, you know. Uh, we just had COVID, but I think, I think, you know, we're really excited, and I I see, like the world changed around us, but I think it's created a lot of opportunity not only for, for us, and I think we're we're work, we're diligently working hard, <laughs> you know. We we've been trapped in the mountains for two years, not talking to anyone basically, and just hanging out and working and stuff, but I think. Uh, we've come across a few opportunities that we're excited about but I would just encourage all, all the listeners too that like look up you know like like look at the world and what is taking place and what is changing and, and the opportunities that are kind of coming up out of this you know other side of COVID hopefully um, and we're really optimistic about living on the western slope and uh, we love it over here and and are excited about um, more to come. Cool,
2: that's excellent. Um, I do actually have one um, last question. Sure. Um, Where do you guys see the community, um, the Western Slope community, in 5 to 10 to 15 years?
0: So much more robust and networked than it is today. Um, I mentioned how organic the network is. And that's helpful when you're in a small town, and people like the organicness of it. But as we grow, you start to drop balls when you know things are so organic. And so, I think just having more structure around some of the networks that we have in place, whether it's capital or broadband or housing, you know, all these things will grow mm. through collaboration. Um, So, I couldn't give you any stats or anything about what it looks like, but I would love to just see some more structure around that so that when you ask me, how do you get plugged in, I say, ask an entrepreneur. Like, I hope that you can go somewhere and ask, you know, the venture network or, you know, all these things will come together eventually. That's where I see it going. I mean, the pandemic has caused a mass migration to Mm rule and we're behind now. You know, we've been behind, but we're really behind now. Um, and so I just see a lot of opportunity for helping solve all these systemic issues. And I, make, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm excited about it, <laughs> whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I think the question is where do we see kind of the Western Slope in the next five to ten years uh, bigger. And I think the the movements that we've seen, you know, with my with the work that we do with Proximity, we get to work with all sorts of people around the country and stuff. and. You know, this kind of urban flight thing I think is real. Uh, people are being given more freedom to to live where they want and how they want. And there's not a better place to live than Western Colorado, right? If you like the desert, we've got it. If you like mountains, we've got it. And so I think, you know, just where we're at geographically is attractive to a lot of people. And so I think more and more people will begin, um, relocating here. And so I think that there's just gonna be more. There's gonna be more people moving here. There's gonna be more companies here. Um, But this stuff isn't gonna build itself. And so um, I think we're gonna need to be diligent about where we're spending our time and and making sure that it doesn't grow worse, (laughs) right? Because I think we're gonna grow uh, and and our hope is that it grows better. Um, But that's not gonna happen by itself. And so, yeah, that's what I'd say.
0: Excellent. Do you have? A, did you have a last thought, Bonnie? I was gonna. I I have one last thought to your previous question, really quick. Um, entrepreneurship, the journey of entrepreneurship, is marked by lots of uncertainties, mm-hmm. and it's really really scary. Um, and you just never know what's coming, and you're never prepared for whatever the next hit is, you know. And you have to be gritty, and you have to be tenacious, and you have to be, you know, really strong-headed. And I, entrepreneurs always ask me, like, "Well, what would you have done?" You know, and it would just be to ask, mm-hmm. you know, just reach out and ask, whether it's an entrepreneur, or whoever it is, because I've never met a bad person on the Western Slope that isn't willing to help you. Totally. Um, just reach out and ask, because your community has you. Like, they will support you. You know, as long as you're willing to do the hard work with them. Um, so, yeah.
2: Cool. I love that. Great closing for that. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank I you. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Awesome
2: thank you so much for listening today. I am really enjoying going on these journeys with you and asking interesting questions. If there's something you want to learn about, let me know. Send me a message and I will do a little investigating for you. You can find me on Instagram at smallworldbigpeople. Talk soon!